What's going on, everybody? This is the Planning for Retirement podcast. My name is Kevin Lau, and I am your host. So today's topics are twofold. The first thing I wanted to address is what I like to call the tax trap of 401ks and traditional IRAs. So I don't think people address this enough prior to them retiring. And this is the notion of being tax efficient prior to getting to retirement. So you can draw it on income in a tax efficient manner. So um, having seen this go down for years and years and years being in this business, I thought it would be beneficial to do an episode as specifically relates to uh, falling into that tax trap and how to avoid it well before you turn retirement age. So that would be number one. Number two is the SECURE Act. And for those of you that don't know, the SECURE Act was legislation that was passed to reform retirement plans. This was at the end of 2019. And I don't think many people really understand the ramifications of the SECURE Act. It was largely swept swept under the rug, uh, obviously for good reason, because of the coronavirus in 2020. So it did not get much uh, publicity after uh, March of 2020. So I thought it'd be good to revisit this topic because it is dr- going to drastically change the way retirement accounts are inherited to, for future generations. And for those of you that are retirement age that are thinking about leaving your retirement account, 401k, IRA, 403b plan to your children or grandchildren, you need to hear what I have to say. Uh, For those of you that are younger, let's say you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, and your parents or grandparents are retirement age, and they plan on leaving a 401k or IRA to you, you should also understand the ramifications because this could absolutely screw up your tax situation. So Um, These are the topics we're going to address today, and I'm also going to talk about some strategies to offset some of these concerns that my clients are putting into play, and um, hopefully this is beneficial for everybody. Let's dive in. All right, so why are traditional 401ks and traditional IRAs, why do they lead to a tax trap in retirement? So I want to clarify something. When I am referring to a traditional 401k and IRA plan, I am referring to those that are funded with before tax dollars. And what that leads to is tax deferral in those plans. And then when you go to make those withdrawals in retirement, then they are taxed at ordinary income rates, whatever they might be in the future. And that is the key. When you think about taxation now relative to where they might be in the future, I'm not going to make a bold prediction here because I think a lot of people feel the same way I do. I'm going to suggest that taxes are likely to be higher in the future than they are today. And, um, you know, if you think about right now, we are at a $27 trillion deficit uh, in the U.S. And um, that's not shrinking. It's growing. And you think about some of the government liabilities that are not funded, like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. You think about in 2008, we had massive bailouts. And then in 2020, and likely in 2021, we had more bailouts. And, you know, that causes concern for someone who is, um, let's say, 15, 20, 30 years out from retirement age. Because if you are deferring taxes at potentially lower rates today, and you're enjoying market growth for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you're growing this massive tax liability that Uncle Sam is just licking his chops. So therein lies the tax trap. And 
you know, again, I, I am referring to these that are funded by pre-tax dollars. I'm not saying 401ks are bad because frankly, 401ks are a great thing. You know, they are forced savings plans uh, that employers offer. They oftentimes give you matching contributions, essentially free money. So absolutely take advantage of those programs through your employer. Um, do the max contribution possible. But what I want to think, what I want you to think about is how can you diversify your tax situation? So if taxes are higher in the future, you're not stuck with only one pot to draw from. And one of the ways to do this and think about this is looking at Roth 401ks and Roth IRAs. So literally the opposite of a traditional 401k or IRA plan. These are funded with after-tax dollars and these enjoy tax-free growth. So regardless of what tax rates are in the future, it does not matter. You've already paid taxes on the contributions. And as it stands right now, the IRS code allows you to withdraw those funds as long as it's for qualified purposes, i.e. retirement, they can be withdrawn tax-free. So, you know, when I am planning with clients, I am all about tax diversification. I'm all about being strategic. And I understand that, you know, we can't predict the future. We don't know exactly what tax rates are going to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years throughout their retirement years. But if we have diversification, we can be strategic based on who is in office, essentially. You know, because one thing is guaranteed, regardless of who's in administration, they're going to try to change taxes. Um, they might raise taxes, they might slash taxes, they might raise taxes for some, uh, slash taxes for others. So regardless of what they do, if we have some money in tax deferred and some money in tax free, then we can be strategic. So if we're in periods of times and very high taxes and we don't want to touch your tax deferred programs, we can draw from tax free. If we're in periods of time of very low taxes, you might be more OK with drawing your taxable funds. And so you can't do that if you don't have that diversification. So I think the takeaway here is. When you are contributing to these retirement plans, be strategic and you know consult with an advisor, a tax advisor, a fiduciary financial planner. Uh, they can point you in the right direction to see what your options are in your plan. Um, and they also, hopefully, they understand, understand your situation and they can give you the best guidance possible uh, for you to make the right decision for yourself. But uh, again, don't fall into the tax trap because what it leads to is uh, folks, when they get to retirement, is a lot of surprise. And, and I'll give you an example. Required minimum distributions kick in at age 72. And at age 72, now the rule is you have to take out a certain percentage every single year for the duration of your life expectancy. And right now the IRS tables, they are um, kind of outdated. I would anticipate them updating these at some point in the not so distant future. But every year, that percentage that you are forced to withdraw goes up and up and up. And so if you have income from Social Security or let's say you're consulting or working part time or maybe you have some pension income or investment income and maybe you don't even need this income from your 401k plan or IRA. Well, the IRS, as it's as it's stated right now at age 72, you are forced to take those withdrawals, whether you need it for income or not. And again, this leads to a tax situation where. You know, let's say you have a $2 million 401k plan and let's say your percent that you're forced to withdraw in the given year is let's say 5%. Well, that's $100,000 that you have to add to your taxable income if that's in a traditional 401k or IRA plan that you may or may not need. And the result is it might push you into a higher tax bracket. 
it might actually put you into a different Medicare band premium where you're actually paying more for Medicare costs. So there's a lot of ramifications that people don't really think about before they get to their retirement age. So again, I urge you to plan early and often, think about taxes well before you get to retirement age so you can be smart and strategic when you're going to make those withdrawals. All right, let's, let's talk about the SECURE Act. So the SECURE Act, um, let's see, it stands for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. And in my opinion, this is probably the most substantial overhaul when it comes to retirement planning in my since I've been in the business since 2008. And there's a lot of good to it. Um, you know, it, it's made it uh, more cost effective for small businesses to offer retirement plans. It's allowed a lot of these small and mid-sized companies to join together essentially as like a union and get discounted rates because then these providers look at them as one entity as opposed to several entities. So that's a positive. Um, it also increased required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. So it gives people a little bit more time to defer those required minimum distributions until they're forced to, to drawing upon, forced to draw upon them. It allows for penalty free withdrawals up to $10,000 from 529 plans to repay student loans. So if you had a 529 plan or, you know, you have one set up for your children or, uh, you know, let's say someone set up a 529 plan for you that you just never used in college. You can use those uh, up to $10,000 to repay certain student loans. So that's nice. It's offered a little bit more diversification when it comes to retirement plans, you know, in terms of life income options, et cetera, et cetera. And there are some other things as well, um, you know, and, and so there's a lot of positives, like, like I said, but in order to pay for it, you know, this is estimated, uh, th this cost of this legislation is estimated tens of billions of dollars. And the way they are going to pay for this is by eliminating the stretch IRA for many common beneficiaries. And for those of you that don't understand this, a stretch IRA essentially allows for a non-spouse, let's say a child of an initial owner of an IRA or 401k plan who passes away. It allows for them to withdraw those distributions at their life expectancy. Okay. Now that's a big deal because, you know, we talked a little bit about required minimum distributions a moment ago where someone with $2 million may be forced to take out 5%. Well, I'm going to give you another example. Someone who is 90 years old, okay, they are forced to take out roughly 8.27% per year for that year from their retirement account, okay? Let's say they were to pass away pre-Secure Act and they were to leave those dollars to someone who's, let's say, six or 55. Well, for the 55-year-old son or daughter, instead of having to take out 8.27% of the account, they are only required, based on their life expectancy, to take out 3.38% of the account. So you think about a tax savings, I mean, that is significant. Um, you know, that is more than 50% of what they would essentially have to pay if their parents were still drawing from that retirement account. So in essence, allows that non-spouse beneficiary, in this case, a child, to stretch out this tax deferral, stretch out that retirement account throughout their life expectancy. Well, the SECURE Act, in very fine print, they eliminated the stretch IRA provision. And essentially, it forces these non-spousal beneficiaries, and there are some exceptions, so please consult with your tax advisor, your attorney, your financial planner, who understands the SECURE Act, 
there are some exceptions, but in general, a common beneficiary like a, ch uh, a child or grandchild, they will be forced to withdraw all of the proceeds of that account within 10 years. It doesn't matter the schedule. They could take it all out in year one, which would be a really big tax bill. They could wait five years and take it out. They could spread it out over 10 years. The IRS doesn't really care. They just want to make sure that all of the money is out of that retirement account within 10 years. Okay. So why is this significant? Well, instead of that 55 year old beneficiary taking out 3.38% that year, given their life expectancy, and let's say that account is a million dollars, that's roughly 33,000 that they would have to take out. Let's say they were to have that same million dollar account inherited. And let's say they wanted to spread out that tax burden evenly across 10 years. Well, if you look at simple math, they would have to take out $100,000 that first year. So instead of recognizing $33,000 as income, now they're recognizing $100,000 of income. Now, obviously, as the account grows, let's say it's $2 million or $3 million, that tax burden becomes bigger and bigger. And what I hear from a lot of my clients who have children that are in their 30s and 40s and 50s is that they make way more than my clients ever did during their working years. And I think that's just the byproduct of, of the United States being a great nation, a wealthy nation. But many a times the children and grandchildren are much better off financially from an income standpoint as their predecessors. And so why that's so important is because they may already be in a very high tax bracket and they may be in a really complex situation. They may live in a state with high taxes, i.e. California or New York. So if you are leaving those retirement accounts to one of those types of beneficiaries, it could seriously impact the taxation of those accounts. And I am having this conversation left and right every single day with clients that have retirement accounts that they've saved into for 20, 30, 40 years. They've worked extremely hard to grow these balances. And now they're in a situation where they're 70, 75, or even 80 years old. And there's not much you can really do, you know, other than some small planning, you know, you can do some Roth conversions, which we'll talk about in a second, but there's not a whole lot you can do um, you know, to alleviate that tax bill. And so, you know, it's a conversation that you have to be having with your advisors, your tax planners, your financial advisors, your estate planners, you know, to make sure that you are not going to screw over the next generation when it comes to taxation, because I've never heard any of my clients say that, you know, they want to, they want to give the IRS more money than they have to. And, you know, this is a perfect example as this provision was slipped in and, no, and a lot of people don't understand it. And so, so please be aware of how this impacts your situation. And, and again, I'm happy to have this discussion with you. If you have questions about your personal situation, you know, you can email me. Everything's on my website at www.imaginefinancialsecurity.com. And I'm happy to dive into the details of your situation and see how this impacts you and your beneficiaries. All right. So with all that being said, why don't we break down three different strategies that my clients are putting into play in light of some of these tax concerns in the future. And also with the SECURE Act now uh, fully in play as of 2020. And I'm going to I'm going to categorize them into beginner, intermediate and advanced beginner. I would uh, put it to the um, put into play for someone who is younger. Maybe they have at least five, 10 or 15, better yet, 20 more years of working and accumulating in the retirement accounts. And simply um, looking at the idea of instead of maximizing all of their contributions before tax, looking at Roth 401ks and Roth 403b plans or even Roth IRAs, 
and checking with your HR department and seeing if those plans are available, these, these after-tax plans. And if so, deciding whether or not it makes sense for you to put these dollars in on a post-tax basis in lieu of before tax. Now, you don't have to go all in one way or the other. You know, I, I have a lot of clients that split contributions. Some do pre-tax, maybe 50%, and then the other 50% after tax into the Roth. Um, you can do whatever you'd like. And, and, you know, a scenario where you may want to leverage more on the tax deferred side is a scenario where you live in a high tax state now and you plan to retire in a low or no income state tax state. That was a lot. So an example would be someone who's working in New York and they plan to retire in Florida, which is where I live now. And we have a lot of those types of clients. And in those scenarios, if they're earning a high income and there's obviously heavy state taxes there and they're retiring in the next couple of years, maybe, you know, maybe three or four or five years down the road, it may be beneficial to do some before tax or, or leverage a little bit more before tax. And therefore, once they retire and they're, they're residents of Florida or Tennessee or any other state income free tax state, then take those distributions and pay the taxes. Now, other folks who are, again, concerned about tax rates going up, they may want to just leverage more on the tax-free side or the Roth side. And, you know, obviously there are some restrictions. You know, fo some folks may not have the ability to use Roth 401k or 403b plans. Some plans don't offer them for whatever reason. And other folks may be phased out of Roth IRAs. You know, there is an income limitation. You know, once you make a certain amount, you can no longer contribute to a Roth IRA directly. So, you know, there are some loopholes around that, which I'm not going to get into the, the, those types of tax planning strategies on this episode, uh, but there are some loop, loopholes. Just search backdoor Roth IRA. Um, you know, that's a way you can contribute funds into a Roth, even though you're above that, that um, IRA threshold, that Roth IRA for threshold. Um, but again, you got to be careful with it. Um, you need to make sure you're aware of the aggregation rule. Um, that can really that can really mess you up from a tax standpoint. So please consult your tax advisors uh, before you make any of those types of decisions. And I'm not giving you tax advice here. All right. So we've addressed beginner, which is simply contributing more to the Roth side when you're working. All right. Intermediate, someone who has been working for a longer period of time, let's say, let's say they're in their 40s, 50s or 60s. They're approaching retirement very, you know, you know sooner rather than someone that's in their 20s and 30s. They may have accumulated a decent size uh, next nest egg in their 401ks or, or IRAs already. Now, these folks may benefit from doing what's called Roth conversions. So a Roth conversion, the way that works is you take dollars that are already in an IRA and you convert them, pay the taxes now and convert them to a Roth to enjoy that tax free growth going forward. Now, obviously, the downside, you have to have the cash to pay the taxes. The taxes can't just come out of the account because then you would be charged penalties, presumably, if you're younger than 59 and a half. So you've had to have some cash on hand to pay the tax. But the benefit is you can get those dollars in growing pre-tax or I'm sorry, tax free for the next 15, 20, 30 plus years and enjoy all of that tax free growth. And again, avoid, the, avoid those required minimum distributions that those other types of plans have in place at age 72. Um, now, this is a this is a great tool that um, I have utilized a lot with clients in the past. You want to make sure that when you're doing this, that you're not putting yourself into a, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a tax unfavorable situation. 
You know, so for example, someone who's age 65 and they're on Medicare and you're doing tax con or Roth conversions, you may not want to put them in a threshold or a tax bracket where they're paying more in Medicare costs. You know, so that's something you want to be aware of. You may not want to push into different tax brackets. So there is definitely a sweet spot for this. And you definitely want to make sure you consult your advisors, you know, in terms of what is best for you and if this strategy makes sense. But uh, again, you know, I've, I've, um, reviewed this many, many times with clients and for some, it makes sense. And for some, it does not. And you, you know, it, it all depends on your situation. That's why you want to consult with your advisors before making any decisions. However, crunching the numbers and looking at the analysis long-term for many of those clients where it makes sense, it could save not only them thousands of dollars in taxes in their retirement, but also their beneficiaries, you know, especially because uh, in light of the secure act and the stretch IRA elimination. All right. Last category, the advanced. Now, this this one I would characterize for folks that are that have accumulated a pretty substantial net worth. Um, you know, maybe in retirement accounts or a combination of retirement accounts and elsewhere. And um, you know, looking at the notion of buying a life insurance policy to essentially pay those taxes that will be due upon their passing within those retirement accounts. Let's say hypothetically someone has a $4 million IRA, and they plan on leaving it to their daughter. That $4 million will have to be liquidated within 10 years, assuming they are not a, an exempt beneficiary. Uh, so let's say hypothetically, they wanted to withdraw those funds in equal installments over 10 years. So for simple math purposes, $400,000. So they would, have to, they would have to pay taxes on that $400,000 annually. You know, which I would kind of venture that they may be due a hundred thousand or so, plus or minus, depending on where their tax situation is per year on taxes. So over the course of the next ten years, they're going to have to pay about a million dollars in taxes if you take a hundred thousand times ten. If you follow me, so the idea of buying life insurance is that the individual that wants to maximize these dollars to their beneficiaries versus the IRS. They may decide to buy a permanent life insurance policy for a million dollars. And over the course of their lifetime, they may pay a fraction of a million dollars in premiums for the benefit of those dollars going tax free to that beneficiary and help alleviate that tax burden on their daughter. Now, there's a lot of nuances involved when it, go, when it goes into buying permanent life insurance. There's a lot of flavors. There's universal policies. There's hybrid policies. There's joint and survivor policies. There's traditional whole life. So you want to make sure you're consulting with some, some seasoned professionals when it comes to doing this. I always recommend coordinating with your financial planner, your insurance agent, and even your estate planner to make sure that this strategy, A, makes sense, and B, that you're designing the policy properly. Um, you know, given my background, I have an extensive background in insurance. This is a, a conversation I'm very comfortable with having with our tax advisors and with my estate planning attorneys, clients. Um, so if you have questions on this, don't hesitate to reach out to me directly. Um, you know, the website www.imaginefinancialsecurity.com. Um, so I hope that helps with the three areas again, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. I think many people that are working can, can take advantage of Roth contributions very, very easily. Uh, in terms of the right percentage going where or how much you skew towards Roth, it's going to depend on your situation personally. Um, so again, can please consult someone you trust on this matter. Roth conversions or IRA conversions into Roth, again, a great tool for some and for some it's not a great tool. Um, but again, you know, it's a way that you can add more dollars into that tax-free bucket and protect it from that Secure Act 
penalty, tax penalty, and also uh, enjoy those uh, tax-free, enjoy the tax-free growth without the required minimum distributions. And then last but not least, at least the advanced life insurance planning, uh, which again is a great tool, assuming they're, you know, cl- the client is healthy. That's another nuance as well. You have to be healthy to qualify for life insurance. And many people that are in their 60s or 70s, may, maybe they have a pre-existing condition or uh, it's just cost prohibitive. So again, there, there's a lot of, you know, what if scenarios to see if that that type of planning makes sense. But I hope you liked today's episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you subscribe to our podcast. If you're liking what we're bringing to the table, um, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button to whatever, um, uh, you know, whatever platform you're using, whether it's Spotify or iTunes, etc. You can also just go to our website directly. All of our podcasts and blog posts are going to be listed there under the insights tab. And again, that's www.imaginefinancialsecurity.com. And uh, you can also contact me directly via email if you have specific questions that you want to address or if there's topics that you want me to bring to the table, you know, in, uh, in these podcasts. This is what this is for. I do this for fun because I like to talk about financial planning strategies and I like to help people regardless if they're clients of mine or not. And I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it and uh, look forward to next go around. Cheers. Thank you.